0: So the text this morning um, is from Revelation chapter 5, not chapter 4, but chapter 5, the scroll and the lamb. We are really, really just about to get into the the fun stuff of Revelation, so hang on tight. This is cool stuff. Um, I know you're going to think this is the weird part, and, and I don't understand it, but I promise you this is far more understandable than you think. This is the beginning of a Uh, of the threefold, sevenfold visions, right? So there are three visions with seven bits in them, okay? And this is the first one. You got the the scroll with the seals, and you got the trumpets, and then we're gonna have bowls of incense. All three of those are speaking of the same time frame and and different things, but all happening at the same time. And that time frame is from the, the ascension of Jesus to his return on the last day. It's just three different lenses used to look through those those events and everything that's happening. So um, we're not going to break a seal this morning yet, um, but we're going to hear about the seals and the importance of that. Um, because this is the word of our Lord and Savior, would you please stand? Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders of the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. He may be seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ, <laughs> to this point, our visions and such have been generally speaking, pretty mundane, right? I mean, they're still cool. They're visions from God. That's obviously a cool thing. But they're, they're pretty straightforward. Here are these letters. Last week got, got a little bit weird, but today we're going to figure out something about Revelation that I'm, I'm probably going to have to repeat this several times over the next year as we go through this. Um, we're going to have to take a look at the nature of, of a vision, and the first thing we have to do for just a minute before we really even dive into this is is recognize that what we are doing and what we are witnessing and participating in is weird, (laughs) and it is, well, the the first point of of the sermon is starting with the end or If you want to get nerdy about it, messing with the time-space continuum. Okay, I I couldn't decide which one to go with because I wanted to go with messing with the time-space continuum, obviously. um, But that needs some explanation. But what we're looking at here is a vision of what's happening both now and at the end of time. So if you don't know this about me, one of my um, favorite reading genres is sci-fi fiction. And I bring this up because there's, there's one particular part or kind of sci-fi fiction that I don't really like, and that's time travel. I've read a handful of those books where it's cool time-traveling books, and, and I always get frustrated with them because there, there's a break in logic and reason at some point that you just can't, you can't get your head around. If you haven't read the books, I'm guessing a lot of people in the room have seen the movie. Back to the future, right? Back to the future, here's the thing. So Marty McFly um, and his weird friend who could be either 30 or 80 years old in that movie, that's such a strange character he plays. So he goes back in time and he's witnessing, he's witnessing, I'm skipping a lot of the story, I know, witnessing the high school dance where his mom and dad meet. So it's happening for him right then but it also happened 30 or 40 years previously. But that isn't true anymore for him because it's right now. It's, he's seeing now and back then. Well, this is more like Back to the Future Part 2, which was a terrible movie, let's be honest, where in the future, right, we, we see future events, but then Marty McFly is witnessing and participating as if it is the present That's actually what's happening right now with John in his vision. In this vision, we have this, and Dan actually talked about it last week, The, the elders that are around the throne, there's 24 of them. 24 meaning the patriarchs of the Old Testament tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. And John is one of them. So, John is looking at 24, not 23, 24 elders who have died in the service of the Lord and have been elevated to a position in this heavenly realm. So, he's seeing one of the people he's seeing is him. So, it is, yes, future, but it's also absolutely present tense. So we're really messing with things. This, this is happening right now for John. It's also happening right now for us, in, in our perspective. This is what heaven looks like at the moment. And this is why it's hard to get your head around it. It's because heaven is clearly outside of the influence of time and space. It's, it's not affected by it. And this is simple logic that ends up in a really complicated place, time doesn't exist till God creates time. <laughs> space doesn't exist until God creates space. He doesn't require time and space, but we can't think outside of time and space because we've never experienced anything that wasn't in a space and had a time. So it's, it's possible to get your head around it. My, my recommendation is don't think about it. <laughs> Put it over here somewhere and just say, this is happening both now and in the future, but it's also always been happening. This, is, this has got nothing to do with time and space, and it's a vision. Now, and this is the, the next weird part. It's a vision. Visions are similar to dreams the same way a bicycle is similar to a jet plane. <laughs> okay? I mean, they both have wheels and seats, some, some have more, some jets have more than one seat, some bikes have more than one seat, they take you places, right? But there's a lot of difference <laughs> between them, but there's some things that are similar. One of the things that is similar from a dream to a vision is, you ever have one of those dreams where you know something is something, or someone is someone, but it doesn't look Right? looks different. The best example I've had is I've, I've had a dream about a friend who was telling me about his sister who was really going through some things. And I had this dream about her and she was in the dream, but I don't know what she looks like. <laughs> like so I, I didn't like see her face in the dream. It was just I had a dream and that was his sister. And I knew that was his sister, even though I have no clue if that's what his sister looked like. That's some of the similar components between dreams and visions. Obviously, uh, dreams are because you ate cheese too late in the day. I think that's actually a scientific fact. I read that online somewhere. Or, or so, I mean, there's something, you, you ate something weird and you're having weird dreams. Visions are dreamlike, but they are orchestrated and ordained by God. So there's obviously a lot more to a vision than a dream. We can talk more about that Bible study on Wednesday, 6 o'clock. That's where you get the real meat and potatoes of this stuff. So, so when we're hearing about this vision that John has, don't be so concerned about like, what is a lamb that looks like it's been slain with horns and, and seven eyes? What does that look like? It doesn't matter what it looked like. John knew that's what it was. And, and that's what's more important about our text this morning. As we're messing with the, the time-space continuum, as we're, we're looking at all of this, what we're really looking at is the end. And it's really fun today to preach this text because we're going to go towards the end of the text. Here's how we know what we know. Revelation uh, 5.13, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying... To him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. That text tells us it's at the end because that's when all creatures and all people in heaven on earth will cry out. Even, Even the critters, even the animals will be acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord that the lamb sits on the throne. That's going to happen at the end, but again, that's from our perspective when it comes to time and space. From God's perspective, it's all already done. It is all already finished. It's a weird way to consider and and look at things because we're so stuck in time and space, but I promise you, when Jesus said it is finished, it is finished. So, That sets the table for the important piece of this text, which is it's in Jesus' hand. That scroll, and and I want to look at that scroll. That is verse uh, 6. Let me get back there. No, here it is. Verse 6 says... And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he is the one who receives the scroll. The scroll is written on both sides. It means it's complete and full. It's the whole story of the history of creation. In case you're wondering, like a, What's the big deal about a scroll written on two sides? It's just a lot of a lot of writing. You normally wouldn't write on both sides of a scroll, but there's so much on this scroll that it is on both sides. It'd be like saying, I, I gave to somebody all of the documents um, that I wrote for the last couple of years and it was on a 20 terabyte hard drive. You go, well, it's a lot. Right? Or if I'd be like, I was on a, a two megabyte floppy disk. Remember those? <laughs> that's not very much. So, so this is all of everything, and it has the seven seals on it. And we're going to go one by one through these seals. But what is on that scroll is all of human history. It is everything that's ever happened. Everything that, from our perspective, still needs to happen or will happen, and the only one who is worthy to take hold of it and to open it up is the Lamb of God, Christ Jesus, our Savior. He has seven horns. These seven horns um, are are indicative that it is the the powers of earthly stuff, Old Testament language. Again, we'll get into detail on that, that on Wednesday, but it is worldly, earthly stuff. The seven eyes are the seven spirit. It says right in our text that all of those things that are spiritual in nature, literally, he is the one who has full authority over all of earth and all of heaven. A couple of weeks ago, I included that in a sermon. In in the baptismal text, Jesus says, go therefore and baptize, but right before it, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven, the spiritual realm, and on earth. All of it is in the hands of Jesus. No one else has been found to be worthy to receive this from God the Father from the throne. But Jesus is. Why is this so significant? It's significant as we read Revelation to avoid that anxiety of looking at the events and saying, oh, we must do this to stop that from happening or we must do this to stop that from happening or I wonder about this event, does that correlate here? It's all written down whether you figure it out or not. (laughs) It's already written down. It doesn't matter. If you can figure out all of those different details in Revelation and correlate it to events today, it's written down. You're not going to discover it and report it to God as if he doesn't know. (laughs) It is already done. But now apply that to your life. How often do we spend our time trying to figure out the will of God for me? What if I make the wrong choice? What if I was supposed to? What if God wanted me to? It's already written in that scroll in the hand of Jesus. I don't want to say that, that it, it we're some kind of marionette puppets that, that God is walking. The, the whole conversation on free will and all of that, again, Wednesday is the place for that. <laughs> But instead, it's already been recorded. He already knows. He already knows all of those things that you're going to struggle with, all of those things that you're going to fight through, all of your, your victories and all of your losses. He knows, and they're in his hand, not yours doesn't take away your responsibility to, to make sure you try to make good decisions or, or do the right thing or follow God's will and, and his plan and all of those. Yes, absolutely, that is still your responsibility. And every time you fail, right there in the hands of Jesus, every time as that scroll goes past and your name is written there, if there is a whoopsie and a, pff, that was a dumb idea and all of those things, They're already written, but they're not in the hands of your enemy. They're in the hands of your Savior. It's in the best hands, not one who is going to accuse you and say, look here at all human history, I can see you failed here, here, and here, and these are your sins, and these are your mistakes, and these are your personality flaws, and, and here's how you were a jerk, and all of these things. The only one worthy to hold all of that in his hands is your Savior, and why is he worthy? Because he gave his life for you. Satan wouldn't give his life for you. Satan wants to take your life from you. Satan wouldn't sacrifice for you. Satan wants to attack you. This is what essentially seems to, at least in the mind of Satan, if he has a mind, was up for grabs. But Jesus was victorious. Jesus won. Jesus is victorious. That what was up for grabs, if that's the right way to say it, was the right to hold this scroll. And say all of your life and all of human history, everything that happens from secular world government to to local politics to any all all of these things, Jesus has that in his hand. How many of us stressed out last week, Tuesday, because of an election was already done, written and finished in the hands of Jesus, even though Arizona and Georgia can't figure it out. It's already written down. (laughs) done it's complete there's nothing to worry about because jesus already knows and if it was going to be so catastrophic to the kingdom of god that the election went this way or that way if it was going to be so catastrophic don't you think he would intervene Since he has all of the power, the horns, the authority over the earth, the eyes, the authority over the church, and all things spiritual, if it was going to destroy the kingdom of God, he would intervene. But so too with you in your life. We have those moments when we think, I have to figure this out, or my life is over. This this terrible thing in my life or this complicated thing. It's not always terrible. This incredibly difficult thing. I don't know how I'm going to get everything done that I need to get done for work or for home or or for an event. I don't know how I'm going to get everything done. All of these things. I don't know how I'm going to do this. If it was so catastrophic that it would destroy you and send you to hell for eternity, he would intervene. How do we know that? Because he intervened. That's what his death and resurrection did. It intervened and meant that nothing on this earth and nothing in the spiritual heavenly realm is able to take you out of the hands of Jesus to harm you for eternity, to cause you to die an eternal death, even if it's really bad. If you're so stressed out, what's the worst thing that could happen? Some of my favorite lines. What's the worst thing that could happen in this situation? You die and see Jesus? That's not terrible. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the goal and the hope for all of us. We can, we can withstand, we can sustain, we can continue on in all of the most difficult things because we abide in the hands of Jesus. That doesn't make it easy, it doesn't make it simple, it doesn't make it enjoyable or pleasurable. It makes it It makes it safe, secure. It makes it glorious that we rest in the hands of Jesus. He's going to pop these seals open and show us all of the things that are going to happen, continue to happen until He returns to give us some assurance that we know just because there's a famine doesn't mean that God is failing and, and Satan is winning. And just because there's a war doesn't mean that Satan is winning and God is losing. It's all finished. And if you've noticed, we're going backwards in our text this morning because we're messing with the time-space continuum. The last thing, the first thing, is the amen. What is the amen? It is the end of tears. Revelation 5.5 is where we're going to go. There it is. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. You'll notice that the beginning of that text is there's nobody worthy or able to open this scroll. And so John is moved to weeping loudly because it's up for grabs. And then an elder comes over. This is significant, too. We're going to dive deep into this one on Wednesday, too. An elder comes over, not an angel, not the lamb, but a heavenly saint. Maybe it was Moses. He's one of the 24. Or not Moses, sorry. Maybe it was Paul or John, one of, the, one of those 24. Maybe it was the, one of the other tribe leaders in the Old Testament. But it was, it was a person. Who had received their eternal glory comes up to John and says, "Weep no more. There's nothing to worry about now, then, or in the future, because all of human history is in the hands of Jesus, and that's enough to end our weeping. It's enough for us to know that it's it's not up for grabs." It's not uncertain. I think John had a moment or he was moved in a moment to be in utter fear and terror because what if all that happens and ever has happened was just utter chaos, right? What if all that has happened or ever has or ever will was in the hands of our enemy? What if it was space aliens? What if it was evolution? What if it is this or, or that? If it's anything else, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. But there it is in the hands of Jesus. And so we weep no more. Even when <laughs> we think our life is up for grabs. Ever do that? You, you worry that I'm not sure how this is going to go, what's next for, for my family, for my marriage, for, for work or for anything. I'm, I'm nervous about these things. The game is already finished. It's already over. The buzzer went off (laughs) when Jesus was raised from the dead. It's the fourth quarter, the the second period. The game is done. Nobody worries that their opponent is going to make a comeback after they turn the lights off in the stadium and everybody's left the parking lot. The game is finished. You don't stress about that. What if the enemy makes a comeback? What if Satan makes a real comeback in my life or on this earth? What if Satan pulls it out at the last minute? The last minute was a while ago. It's finished and completed. There's nothing to worry or have anxiety about because it isn't unknown. It's only unknown to you. And that's okay. There's lots of stuff I don't know and I can have faith in. I don't know how passenger jets fly, right? And I have faith, I get in them, and they do. I don't know how cars work for the most part anymore, right? But I get in it, and it drives. I, I don't, just because I don't understand something doesn't mean I can't trust. Some planes crash. <laughs> cars crash. But those are human Developments, human inventions, human constructs. Governments crash and fail. Cities let you down on occasion, right? These things, these things even when we trust them, even when they're doing their best and working the way, best way they know how, will let us down. But not the one holding the scroll. Not the one holding history. You see that great peace that is in this book? It only gets better. There's, there's nothing fearful in Revelation. There's no, oh no, here it comes. It's about to happen. It's all messages of, I got this in my hand. I've got it finished. It is complete. You're safe. Amen. May the peace which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Would you please stand to pray with me? Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that all of us reside in your hands. All of us are there comforted knowing that our name is in that scroll of all of human history. And next to it is written, loved by God, cherished by Christ, forgiven for eternity. I give you thanks that we can have that peace in our lives. Even when there's chaos, even when there's uncertainty, you grant to us peace. pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace, amen.